Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. The Friday Night Wars kick off. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Before we get into our review of last night's Friday Night SmackDown and Friday Night Dynamite, let's take a look at our news, and some pretty big news at that. WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling having some talks. It's been reported by Dave Meltzer that WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling could possibly have a working relationship in the future similar to AEW and Impact Wrestling. This would be world-changing if done, given WWE rarely ever opens the forbidden door. AEW and Impact would suffer greatly given WWE is looking for New Japan Pro Wrestling to become their own official American partner. A deal between them would include talent exchanges and things of that nature moving forward. And if it's just strictly between WWE and New Japan and AEW and Impact are officially out of the loop, that would help WWE immensely. Although no deal has yet been struck between WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling, talks reportedly began in March or April, which is a decent amount of time given that's about to be June uh, in a couple days. Reported that the origins of the talk stems from WWE inquiring about Daniel Bryan potentially working some dates with New Japan, uh, which I said here on the podcast on the first day back, thinking that it would be Daniel Bryan's idea. But no, it would be uh, WWE's idea in that case. And, uh, you know, Vince got burnt in the past by letting that happen once with Chris Jericho, letting him go do some dates with New Japan. And he said, uh, he talk, Jericho talked about this on the Broken Skull sessions with uh, Stone Cold. He's like, oh, yeah, let, let you, everyone knows you're a WWE guy. And look what happened. Jericho is the face of uh, WWE's main rival now in AEW. So... Daniel Bryan going to work some dates for New Japan, possibly, which would be fantastic. Let him run some fantastic matches over there uh, in that WWE connection. And uh, hopefully WWE gets some names back in return if that's something that, that they can work out with New Japan. But what a move WWE would make there. And it's I, I speak like it's never been done before. It's been done multiple times, and AEW has done it recently multiple times as well. And and having Impact Star, and having uh, New Japan stars come over and have some matches against Moxley for the IWGP uh, United States Championship and things of that nature. And obviously having others go the other way around. And, you know, it's definitely been done before in the past and in very recent history but it's never been done with wwe which is uh absolutely insane so i'll do a full episode on this uh, if you guys want me to i think i I really do want to do a full episode on this because uh, if this goes through the possibilities are absolutely endless endless because you're talking about some huge wwe names and you're also talking about some huge new japan names and if they're able to collide uh it will be absolutely spectacular spectacular something we haven't seen in a very 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 long time so i'll do a full episode on this in the coming days if uh you guys are interested also, another news, Mikey Whipwreck announces final appearances. The legendary Mikey Whipwreck is hosting his final training seminar and making his final public appearance this weekend as he's dealing with some health issues. The ECW original took to Twitter and announced that he's stopping all public appearances and looking forward to spending more time with his family. The tweet also listed all the issues he's feeling at this age after a multitude of concussions throughout his career, a well-earned full retirement from the public eye. Best wishes from all of us here on the daily ddt.com and on the daily ddt podcast to you mr mikey whipgrek all right we're going to get into our show review for last night's uh, friday night smackdown we're going to do that first and then we're going to go into uh, aew uh, friday night dynamite 
which is going to be like that for the next few weeks, which is going to be, uh, that's why I call it the Friday night wars. And, uh, I guess we'll see who, who had the better episode tonight uh, as well. Like how we used to do for the Wednesday night wars. But first, before we get into anything, any shows, we have to thank our sponsor manscaped who's the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever. The Lawnmower 4.0, their first generation trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's FANSIDE20, all caps, at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's get right into last night's Friday Night Smackdown. Street Profits versus the Usos to open the show. Uh, before the, uh, anything gets underway, Profits, uh, had, they have their promo. Absolutely fantastic way to open the show uh, here in the Street Profits on the mic. And, and you know, the two of the best mics in the WWE at the moment. Well, I should say one of the best mics in WWE at the moment. Uh, Montez Ford being the, the better of the two. And obviously so, and Fantastic on the microphone and does a fantastic job going at the Usos. The Usos come out and cut a promo of their own. Also pretty solid as well. Not as much screaming as we're used to from the Usos time and time again. We usually just hear at least Jay, in that case, screaming on the microphone. It's absolutely screaming. I'm surprised he has not peaked the microphone yet at this point in his uh, professional wrestling promo career with uh, Roman Reigns. Profits making fun of the Usos in the beginning of the match. Uh, Usos start to figure it out as they haven't been they haven't tagged team in over a year, so it took some time to gel together once again. But given that the it's twin action there, they did a good job getting back into the rhythm of things, cutting the ring in half on the Street Profits. Chaos ensues with the Usos being tossed around ringside. Montez Ford with a huge dive to the outside over the ring post. I believe you saw him do this once before, once or twice before, at least on the main roster. And it, it, it's an amazing spot every time because it's such a spot you rarely ever see uh, from the WWE. And uh, a dangerous spot at that because if you don't get enough hang time there, you're going to clip yourself on that ring post and that's a long way down. So especially if it's someone there that's not ready to catch you. So uh, dangerous spot always, I feel. But uh, Ford obviously has the hops to get up there. Jimmy Uso does get the pinfall victory for the Uso team uh, with a super kick defeating the Street Profits. Them now ready to take on the tag team champions for SmackDown as they ask uh, backstage with uh, Adam Pearce and looking for a match going forward. Moving on to our next match, Tamina and Natalia. Not against their their tag team. I gotta always remember that they're not only a tag team, but they are a uh, tag team champions for the WWE at the moment. I always have to keep that in mind. The women's division has gotten a little bit better. The the tag team women's division has gotten a little bit better. Given Tamina and Natalia are they, they could doing consistent work, but uh, this match is a little bit different here. Tamina and Natalia versus the Riot Squad. Riot Squad in control early. Tamina enters on a hot tag and dominates Superfly Splash to win. Fast match, and as much time as they gave to them, this is as much time as I'm going to give to uh, them here on this podcast, so let's move on. Carmella versus Bianca Belair. Bailey joins on commentary, which is great. Absolutely fantastic to have Bailey on commentary. Caver continuously involved. We had her in, in that pay-per-view match at Backlash, and assumingly so, she's going to be in another match against Bianca Belair in the future at Hell in a Cell. In a possibly in the Hell in a Cell, possibly not, given that I believe uh, Car- not Carmella, Charlotte Flair, and uh, Rhea Ripley are going to have that that 
uh, Hell in a Cell match instead of uh, Bianca Belair and uh, Bailey. But either way, I'd be happy with uh, anything that they do because Bailey has been on top of the world. Carmella and Contreras early on getting advantage using the braid of Bianca Belair. Bailey continues to note that on uh, commentary, and Belair wins with the KOD, and uh, Bailey is ready for round two against uh, Belair. There's a fun part in this match as well where uh, Michael Cole flubbed the name of Bianca Belair. I think uh, he like Belanca. I think he he called her by accident, and then Bailey let him have it, ripped him a new one right there on the commentary table. And uh, I thought that was fun because it was a legitimate mistake from Michael Cole. And, you know, it happens. He makes the mistake. But uh, Be- uh, Bailey just absolutely rips him, rips him a new one, which was hilarious. And it's a fun moment, fun moment uh, on uh, SmackDown. This was a fun show as well. Seth Rollins, he has a promo. Rollins trying to call out Cesaro, but this is the classic heel calling out the baby face that's obviously not there because of injury. Cesaro not there doesn't doesn't come out, so the you know the typical way for Rollins to start a, a promo, some you know to I, I wouldn't call it typical, but it's been done before in the past by previous wrestlers, and he's been sort of on that trend. It was also Seth Rollins's birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Seth Rollins! Always great to see when someone's birthday. Getting a little bit older now, and also a father. So we got to remember that, but uh, it's still in his in his prime, in his professional wrestling career. Happy birthday, Seth Rollins. Uh, he places the blame of Cesaro and why he is injured. Uh, obviously, he was the one that injured him uh, in kayfabe, of course, but uh, he places the blame on the WWE Universe for, quote, brainwashing Cesaro, making him believe that he deserved this opportunity, that he earned this opportunity, that he be- that he should believe that he is rightful to this opportunity to the Universal Championship. He blames all the fans for making him feel that way, which I thought was a very, very fun way to uh, throw the blame and throw, throw the harassment at the crowd, uh, even though they're all screens at the moment. Nah, I'm willing to take that because... Uh, there's some type of genuine nature in that, in some way, shape, or form as well, given that you know the fans are the one that wanted Cesaro to have this push. And obviously not the WWE, but uh, they're able to find a way to have a fantastic match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania Backlash. Fantastic main event, a great match for Cesaro. He sings Happy Birthday to himself as he walks out of the ring, and that's the end of that segment. Uh, good to see Seth Rollins on the mic. Once again, I'd love to see him more in the ring. Kevin Owens versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship. Quick start and uh, KO with a stunner. Uh, Commander Aziz connects with a Nigerian nail to break up the pin and allows Cruz to retain the Intercontinental Championship by disqualification. A match set for next week for Apollo Cruz versus Kevin Owens with Commander Aziz banned from ringside. And uh, the Intercontinental Championship in this mid card for Friday Night SmackDown has been pretty good. We saw last week in that fatal four way match, uh, it really reminded me of my childhood uh, as sometimes you, you put together four top superstars in uh, a brand and you put them in a fatal four-way you get some really good work sometimes and you got a really really good work from kevin owens apollo cruz biggie and i believe it was uh, shinsuke was the oh no it was sammy Zayn was the was the four great match last week and even though this match was sore it, it did tell a great story with kevin owens now finally be able to get his one-on-one next week against apollo cruz on smackdown i could see the stretching all the way to uh hell in a cell but also got to remember, Big E has to be involved in some way, shape, or form as well. That's definitely something that's going to happen, given that his push was supposed to be somewhere here. But I think that WWE might have forgotten that he was getting pushed uh, along the way. Shinsuke Nakamura versus Chad Gable. 
baller entrance by Nakamura once again with uh, Boogs uh, with the doing a great job on the guitar uh, playing that entrance. He didn't do a great job at the end, but I'll get into that a little later. Corbin steals his crown back in the middle of the match between Nakamura and Gable. Uh, then Nakamura doesn't notice it. Nakamura wins with the Kinshasa. And then uh, Corbin uh, is, walks away with the crown. Nakamura recognizes it. Nakamura obviously upset, but he, he's technically the babyface stealing uh, stealing something, which is not a really babyface thing to do. But either way, Boogs wins, uh, not wins, he attacks Corbin to get the crown back for Nakamura. And as uh, the, the entrance music plays for Nakamura once again, Boogs is guitar is out of tune for for a little bit and he starts to play the notes but it's just off it's like like it's like the notes didn't match up with the song and it kind of sounded weird but i give him the benefit of the doubt placed the guitar down or forgot to retune it or whatever happened whatever it is it is but still nakamura still the king of strong style and i think there's a fun gimmick because this it's a parody of his former self yes but it could be a little bit more as time goes on against uh, King Corbin. Moving on to our main event, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode taking on Dominic and Rey Mysterio who for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. But similar to WrestleMania Backlash, Rey Mysterio is injured during the commercial break. No one knows who, but obviously it's Ziggler and Roode. And uh, Dominic steps up for his dad, much like WrestleMania Backlash where Rey stepped up for his son. So it becomes a two-on-one match with Dominic taking on Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler in defense of Dominic and Ray's SmackDown Tag Team titles. Dominic not doing great early on, but is a fighter. Dominic lands a splash onto the outside. Dominic misses a 619, but kicks out of a famous serve from Ziggler. Ray Mysterio enters, and Dominic wins on a roll-up from the distraction. The Usos enter after the match and get a face-to-face, uh, face-to-face face-off with the uh, Mysterio family as there is a match set for next week with the Usos taking on the Mysterios for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Uh, I kind of wish that they did this uh, match between the Usos and the Mysterio family at Hell in a Cell so there was more girth to it. If they did this now, which they are... Is a little bit of a problem to me in a sense where it's not really believable for the Usos to win it on a SmackDown. Can they do it? Yes. Could they do it with the interference of Roman Reigns on a SmackDown? Which makes more sense because I don't think Roman Reigns would interfere on a pay-per-view. And uh, it would be nice to see it happen at Hell in a Cell for them to win the SmackDown Tag Team titles once again. But uh, would it be too fast? It's not like you're hurting the tag team division in any way. If anything, you're building it up because now you're associating that tag team division with Roman Reigns and his faction, his family. So that would build up the SmackDown tag team division. So, yes, in the, at the end of the day, I'm not denying the fact that putting on the belts to, to the Usos makes the most sense. And it will probably be the best uh, for the whole division as a whole. But doing it so fast on a SmackDown, I think devalues it a little bit. I say wait for the Hell in a Cell and call it there. 
I'm going to give my final grade for this episode of SmackDown after I review AEW Dynamite after the break. I want to compare them head-to-head because, hey, this is pretty much what they're doing now. Even though they're not head-to-head, they're one after another. SmackDown ends at 10 on the East Coast. Dynamite starts at 10 on the East Coast, so quick channel changing for me. But uh, either way, I still call this the Friday Night Wars because there's a a type of competitiveness in there, given that they're both on the same night. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward for the next few weeks, but... But first, we have to review Dynamite. So after the break, stick with us. Going to be talking about AEW, Friday Night Dynamite, and also some On This Day in Pro Wrestling. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on May 29th, 1984, one of wrestling's most famous angles would air during a set of WWF All-Star Wrestling tapings from the Agricultural Hall in Allentown, Pennsylvania. That moment... The infamous Piper's Pit where Roddy Roddy Piper smashed a coconut over Jimmy. Superfly snook his head. Uh, you see this clip all the time every time they go back in the day. And uh, I guess you don't see it as much anymore given that both Roddy Roddy Piper and Superfly Snook are pretty much canceled in the world of uh, in today's pop culture. Given the blackface stuff with Roddy Roddy Piper and the, spe- the speculations of Snooker being a murderer. on a, that Which we saw on uh, Dark Side of the Ring. But I digress. If you want to learn more about that, watch the Dark Side of the Ring with about uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and uh, that it will definitely change your perspective if you never heard that story. All right, getting get into some AEW Friday Night Dynamite. I feel it's it rolls off the tongue. It rhymes everything. Friday Night Dynamite, right? Wednesday Night Dynamite. Too many syllables there. Friday Night. All right, I digress. <laughs> also, packed house, packed house in Daly's place. They did a great job. Great job of filling the seats in the lower bowl, also using the physical stage itself to house fans there as well. The only problem I have, however, is the new hard cam that comes off at the side instead of going straight on towards the stage as we're used to seeing. Now coming off towards the side and uh, looking towards the Daily Place sign, if you will. It, it doesn't look good for me. It looks uh, missymmetrical. It doesn't look uh, straight and narrow like how the old set used to look with the heel entrance and the baby face entrance on the left and right, respectively. And uh, you would see that. And everything looked normal and symmetrical. I, th- I guess maybe it's just quick change happening and uh, I might not like change in that way. But maybe over time I'll get more used to it. But the fact also as well, we didn't have the heel and face entrances. We only had one entrance where everyone was coming out of. Uh, AEW set a precedent. And when they change that, uh, it it sort of gets lost in in the shuffle. Hopefully it doesn't get lost for too, too long. But starting off, however, Darby Allin versus Cesar Bononi. And this is the match that uh, opens the show. A lot of these matches, you can sort of tell who the winner is going to be right away, just based off of what their match is at Double or Nothing. You know, you you can sort of tell, you know, based off of this card. But yeah, that's one thing that knocked me with the show. But, but going forward, but only using his strength, uh, throwing around Allen early on this match, whose ribs are still taped up. Allen makes his comeback and connects with a coffin drop to win. Solid opening match. Glad to have uh, fans so close to uh, the, the ring once again, where the people ringside aren't the AEW talent, but actual fans. So, meaning if I wanted to buy a ticket, and I'm, I'm not in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm in Queens, New York, but if I ever went down to Jacksonville, Florida and wanted to buy a ticket, I could possibly get one ringside right there next to the action, which would be awesome. We haven't seen something like that. In quite some time in the world of mainstream professional wrestling, meaning the, the top brands in professional wrestling with fans so close. So, uh, you know, that would be really nice to do once again to be that close to a, a wrestling ring. Uh, 
Allen calls out Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, and uh, Sting and Allen are attacked, and uh, they are saved by the Dark Order later on in the match, in the night, excuse me, uh, the Dark Order will take on uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in tag team action. Moving on to our next segment, uh, Double or Nothing weigh-in with uh, Anthony Agogo and Cody Rhodes weighing in as if it's a boxing match or, you know, professional bout or something like that. But no, it's a professional wrestling match. AEW can't decide what hard cam they want to use in this one. Sometimes they go straight on. It, like how we're used to seeing it for AEW, sometimes they go to the side hard cam, which is a little jarring if they keep on going back and forth like that. They had flags in the back, uh, American flag and a uh, British flag. And uh, the, those flags blocking the uh, view of fans that are sitting on the stage, which I thought was kind of funny. It's like, oh, you bought, you bought these seats to be right there, and now you can't even see because there's flags in the way. Cody Rhodes enters with uh, literally everyone that he knows, probably, ever. It, it enters with his old family and uh, the whole Nightmare Academy and everything like that. Night- Nightmare Factory, excuse me. And uh, instead of calling him the American Nightmare, does... Uh, Justin Roberts, he's called the American Dream, an homage, obviously, to his father. His, his American night, Nightmare name is an homage to his father uh, and the American Dream, who was his father, Dusty Rhodes. And uh, I guess that, that makes sense because you don't want to be the American Nightmare when you're facing off against Britain and you're supposed to be the babyface. You want to be the, the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> I, I, if I hear American Dream, I'm going to think Dusty Rhodes and not going to think Cody Rhodes. Either way, uh, Paul White, who's the one that is uh, announcing this weigh-in, doesn't seem to w- know how to work a scale, which might explain his appearance around WrestleMania 20. Hey, oh, oh no, let, me, let me stop. The, Paul White could throw me a million miles. So, uh, Either way, he had a tough time with the, the scale. He had a tough time working. Uh, it's, it wasn't one of those electric scales where you step on it and read you the number. You had to move those blocks across to find out what your actual weight is. But they did end up finding it. Cody Rhodes is around 218. And uh, firewalk, fireworks going off in the background. And a uh, happy Memorial Day weekend, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't believe all how much of a mess this, that segment was for AEW. Fireworks going off in the background, coming from the AAA Marlins team in Jacksonville. And as the fireworks uh, start to dwindle down a little bit, Anthony Agogo steps on the scale. And after some more fiddling with the, with the uh, weights, he ends up at 219, so only one pound uh, away from each other. And uh, and I don't even think that that is true. I think Ogogo uh, Ogo weighs a lot more than 219. At least he looks a, a lot better of a 219 than Cody Rhodes looks at 218. Ogogo looks really, really nice. I'm not saying that Rhodes doesn't. I'm just saying that for them to be the same weight, uh, Ogogo looks a lot nicer at 219 than uh, Cody Rhodes looks at 218, just from an aesthetic point. But this was a boring segment. That that it was it was a nothing segment for me. It really made no sense at all why they even had it in there at all. So that was a big knock for this episode. Moving on to our next match: Hangman Adam Page versus Joey Janela. This match was obviously their match at All In, but given the parameters and what's looking at like at uh, Double or Nothing, Adam Page having a match and Joey Janela not or being in a less lesser of a match, he might be in the uh, Casino Battle Royal that I do n- not know if he is or isn't. But Adam Page having a one-on-one match against Brian Cage, uh, you can tell the the winner right away once again. The two testing each other out early on with nice chops. Janela in control. Uh, Janela with a nice elbow drop but can't get the pinfall. And uh, they're 
Goon doing some elbows to the head there, and Paige, I believe, starts bleeding hard way as he gets cut at the top of the head. Paige really bleeding profusely here. There's a lot of blood coming out from the top of his head, like right around the hairline area uh, in, in the front of your scalp. Uh, but Buckshot Lariat to end the match, and Hangman Adam Page getting the obvious victory here. Taz, who is on commentary, tells his boys to attack once again, as he doesn't, as he has done week in and week out. Cage says that he'll get him one on one on Sunday, as Cage realizes that he's been kind of a jerk for these past few weeks, just attacking left and right, left and right, and uh, really having no, no sense for it other than to attack. AEW botches going into commercial in the middle of Kingston and Moxley's previously recorded promo. And I write yikes here in my notes because that was a huge uh, production error because a lot of people look forward to Kingston and Moxley's promo. Once they come back to uh, the show after commentary, they started from the beginning and uh, they did a a great job. You know, it's Moxley and Kingston. They talk about what they're going to do at Double or Nothing. They they were burying the Dior ones that they took off the feet of the Young Bucks. And I write in my notes here as well, get you someone that looks at you like Kingston looks at Moxley. You see a couple times throughout this uh, segment, Kingston is just eyeballing Moxley in a good way. It's saying like, oh man, like this is my this is my man. This is my good friend. Get you someone that looks at get you someone that looks at you like that. And yeah, get you a good friend like that. That'd be that'd be awesome. But uh, uh yeah, decent promo. Just a shame the AEW botched it. Right in the middle of the segment. So Alright, moving on to our uh, pack promo. And uh, pack cuts a promo. And the crowd is kind of indifferent. I was kind of indifferent uh, towards Pac. And it's not that he's a bad professional wrestler. He's on the microphone. doesn't really do much for me. Pac calls out Omega. Don Callis is on screen. And Omega tries for a sneak attack but fails. But the Good Brothers save. Death Triangle chase away the Good Brothers. Orange Cassidy enters and hands an envelope to Kenny Omega. The Omega opens up the envelope. And he lets the ripped up pieces of paper that was given to... Uh, Orange Cassidy last week fall through his fingers uh, as uh, Omega, uh, excuse me, as as Orange Cassidy wants the, to have the match at Double or Nothing and decides not to defer it to a different date. I love how Cassidy holds up the belt. They were able to beat up Omega and the belt was on the ground and Orange Cassidy with the orange punch to to pack and uh, Omega, excuse me, as Orange Cassidy picks up the belt, he doesn't hang it over his head or put it on his shoulder or anything like that. He just holds it up. Like, like, just holds it up right, right, right by his shoulder, and points it towards the camera, and um, gives a good thumbs up, like you know, good Orange Cassidy classic thumbs up, and that that's a segment. So a good job there on Cassidy. Belt looks good on him, but the belt won't be on him. It's going to be on Omega. And um, I'll try not to give too many spoilers of my predictions episode coming up tomorrow. Moving on to our next match. Jade Cargill with Mark Sterling, who is her new manager, as announced in this episode. Versus Kalina King. Uh, she's been doing some good work on AW Dark and uh, Dark Elevation and all that. Cargill dominant early. Uh, Sterling tries to offer his business card to King but fails. And um, similar gimmick to uh, Billy Kay trying to hand out the resume. But uh, it makes no sense given that Sterling already is now hired by Cargill. Jaded to pick up the win for Jade Cargill. And uh, the classic 11 p.m. Uh, women's match, similar to a 9 p.m. women's match on the Eastern Coast, as uh, we're used to seeing as these shows have been booked week in and week out for AEW, always having that match at the same time. 
Next match, Dante Martin versus Miro for the TNT Championship. Once again, Miro has a match at double or nothing, so you could already tell who's going to win this match on AEW. Miro dominates Martin, uh, accolade to retain the TNT Championship. Uh, Jake the Snake Robert enters. He has uh, he cuts a small promo. It cuts a small uh, hot you know disc there, and uh, he has one good line. He has one kind of racist line, and he has one kind of nonsensical line. So they take from that what you will. Miro calls for Archer, and uh, Miro actually loses that encounter with Archer as Miro is tossed out the ring uh, with the TNT title. Hikaru Shida, she is honored for being the longest reigning. AEW champion ever in their short uh, history. I believe, it was, what is it, two years now? Uh, almost two years. Uh, Shida is honored. And uh, this is almost saying, like, it, it's been a great run. You know, <laughs> congratulations. Let me put this belt on you. And, you know, you did a great job. And uh, that's kind of it. That That's how I sort of feel this segment kind of went. Beautiful new belt. Sort of the same, but bigger, which was the only flaw with the old belt. And the, the old belt was just way, way, way too small uh, for, you know, for a respectable championship. This one was bigger and had the same design, but all it needed was to be bigger. So good job there on AEW for taking that advice. Britt Baker enters and believes that she'll be the new face of a new era of professional wrestling. Uh, if you go back in the day, the old era used to be 316, and now the new era will be DMD. Great promo there by Britt Baker. And uh, it, I don't want to spoil any more, but I think. It's almost obvious who I think is going to win the TNT, excuse me, the um, AEW Women's Championship. Let's just say there's going to be a new AEW Women's Champion at Double or Nothing. Moving on to, I believe this was our main event. Yep, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page versus Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Uh, obviously, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page having their match at Double or Nothing against Sting and Darby Allin. So, kind of makes sense who's going to win this one here. Uh, weak pyro for Sky and Page. Nothing new for AEW as pyros usually is weak, no, at least in comparison to WWE. Grayson with an awesome spot with a DDT onto the apron, onto uh, whoever was on the apron waiting to tag in for either Sky or Page. Uh, great tag team offense from the Dark Order, but in uh, Eagle's Edge for Ethan Page and uh, Sky. Uh, both pick up the victory there. Another post match promo, as we've seen in almost every match in this. Uh, episode of AEW Dynamite. Allen enters with fake stings behind him, and uh, one of them is the actual real sting, a callback to a WCW moment, a fantastic WCW moment at that. So that was a fun part of the show. And then moving on to the main segment, if you will, of AEW, a celebration of the inner circle. Uh, possible s- similar vibes to Sheeta here, uh, given that you know, it's been a good run, guys. You know, Let's look at all our best moments as they do, as they're introduced by Eric Bischoff. There are highlight packages made. Each of them say, if this is it, I love you guys, and you guys have been the best, and you know, everything like that. Uh, it, similar vibes to um, the Sheeta segment, where it's you know, a celebration of what they did over the past year. But it might be a time to move on, which is not a bad thing. But once again, you're you're sort of emptying, showing your hand here and what you're going to do for Double or Nothing. But I could be very wrong. MJF on screen in uh, TIAA Bank Stadium, which is right next door and where the Stadium Stampede match will be. And uh, attacked by the pinnacle is Dean Malenko, which is Chris Jericho's friend, of course. 
in a circle running to the stadium and the pinnacle attack from behind as it was a trap they all do a group pile driver uh through two through two tables and then onto uh steel chairs laying out on the field so big group pile driver all around and uh the show ends there uh fun segment but once again i feel like they're showing their hand i feel like they're showing what they're going to do at double or nothing a little bit too much with the sheeta segment and with the inner circle segment because if they lose here they're going to break up the inner circle i think they, they might have had their last moments on this episode of aw dynamite and they might have been waiting to have their last moments in front of fans in front of a full house of fans and technically they just had it technically they just did it so uh if they lose here will they do another segment saying that all right it's the end of the uh, inner circle again and you know it's been a good run and thank you fans and everything like that maybe or do they ride off into the sunset after this match and um and uh, we see great things come from each individual individual member of the inner circle. You know, we we see each person grow and flourish. And Santana Ortiz go for tag team goals. Sammy Guevara goes for the TNT or AEW championships. Same thing with Hager. Chris Jericho sort of goes off into the sunset. Yeah, because he might not be one wanting to work as full time as he has. You know, it's been thirty years of him working at uh, in professional wrestling. So. A lot of questions that we need to ask ourselves, but well, if we just focus on last night's episode of AW Dynamite and also look at Friday Night SmackDown, the clear victor is Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, very predictable this episode of of Dynamite and a very, almost unwatchable. Not I wouldn't say unwatchable. Uh, the correct word there is uh, there's no need to watch it because for a go home show there's no need to watch that go home show because every every match. That happened, you had the obvious ending too. So, there's no, if you missed this episode of AEW Dynamite and you just heard it here, you didn't really miss much because every match had the obvious ending that you would expect. So, the only thing you really missed was the, the Sheeta stuff and the Inner Circle stuff, which was kind of might have been a goodbye for the Inner Circle or it, it might have been an end of an era speech for, for Sheeta, if you will. So, a little bit of a shame there for AEW. But especially for it to be a go-home show, but good on SmackDown, even though they had not all great matches, had a couple of lackluster matches, they did have some great, great, great stuff with Open, with uh, Street Profits and the Usos. What a fantastic way to open the show, and what I would call the match of the night for that. Final grades, uh, going with a B-minus for SmackDown, yes, for SmackDown, and a C-plus for AEW, probably the lowest grade I've ever given in AEW because this one was uh, kind of irrelevant, you know, irrelevant AEW, and it's a rarity, a rarity to ever see uh, from them. But moving forward, looking on to our next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast, we're going to be talking about AEW Double or Nothing, and I'm going to give you my predictions for each match on the card, give you some of my insight, give you some of the backstory as well going into the match going forward if you haven't been watching a ton of AEW. And uh, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be a fun pay-per-view. It's going to be a fun pay-per-view. Got a lot of fun matches set up. Uh, but at the same time, AEW has dropped the ball on a lot of their big matches, as we've seen in the past few big events. We saw at Revolution, and we saw at Blood and Guts. So let's see if something similar happens here at Double or Nothing. That big match obviously, obviously being that Stadium Stampede match. If they drop the ball three times in a row, uh, we're gonna. I, I'm really gonna have to have a, a, a long talk about AEW and uh, what's been really been going wrong for them, and especially what would be considered easy moments to kind of 
build because it's one big spot. You just got to try to make sure you land it. So, uh, you know, trying to land that airplane, trying to land that airplane, which is, uh, I wouldn't call it easy, but it's something you sort of just have to get right because if you don't land that airplane, a lot of people are going to get hurt. So yeah, let's land it for all of us because we're paying $40, however much this pay-per-view is. Let's try to land it, all right? <laughs> let's try to land it. <laughs> Either way. That's all for me. Remember to get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. That's FANSIDED20, all caps, at Manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, Check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.